0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Savage Arms and the new 110 Ultralight. At about 6 pounds, the 110 Ultralight is designed to combat elevation and the elements while maintaining the performance of a factory blueprinted Savage 110 action. The carbon fiber wrapped stainless steel barrel makes it durable and lightweight the rifle comes equipped with the Savage AccuFit technology, so that means it's adjustable and it comes in a variety of calibers the 308, the 270, the 28 Nozzler, the 280 Ackley Improved, the 30 6, and much more. If you want to find out more information about the 110 Ultralight, visit savagearms.com.
1: This is the Houndsman XP Podcast.
2: Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in
1: here. The original podcast for the complete houndsman.
2: Yeah, so how many days
1: how many days a week can you spend up?
2: As much as I can, to be honest with you. Anytime that I get, I'm I'm out there.
1: Join us for every heart pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll
2: tell you like I tell everyone else. I'm gonna hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here.
1: Happy New Year, Houndsman XP fans. We are closing out 2020. Thank goodness. I'm not gonna be sad to see this year go, I hate to say it, but uh... That's the truth. And this episode of the Houndsman XP podcast, we're going to lay out five New Year's resolutions that every houndsman should keep. Uh, The team gets together and we go into a discussion about some key things that we can do to improve our lifestyle as houndsmen and uh, preserve, protect, and promote hound hunting across the globe. This podcast is sponsored by Dogs Are Treed. DogsAreTreed.com. Go there now. It's the home of Paws Are Protected. Build your pack from the ground up with Paws Are Protected. It's a preconditioner. It's a wound healer. It's innovative. My son works in a machine shop, and he is um, always handling all kinds of caustic material, liquid solution stuff. Don't know really what he's got his hands in, but uh, his hands are a wreck. He's been using Paws Are Protected on his paws, and he's seeing miraculous results from this. I use it on my hounds. You should, too. Build your pack from the ground up with Paws Are Protected. You can find them at dogsartree.com. It's Also brought to you by Stick Bow Outdoors. Stick Bow Outdoors is the home of the Hound Log and the Canine Records books. High quality books. You can't hide from the truth. If you will take the time and journal your hunts and be honest, I promise you, you will improve your skills as a houndsman. Go to Stick Bow stickbow, Outdoors.com and order your books today. Sponsored also by Big Frig. Big Frig and Badlands Coolers. You can order all of our logo series coolers and tumblers from Big Frig. Just drop us a line and uh, we will get you hooked up on what you're looking for. But go to bigfrig.com. You can get any of their pro- products with our logos on those, uh, printed right on them. High quality stuff. Great coolers, great tumblers at an affordable price and you can show your support of this podcast by ordering from Big Frig. Also, hound recovery antennas. You need to look at these folks. I've been running a triple mag for now for over a year. Last week while I was bear hunting, there was a lot of snow in the mountains of West Virginia. The trails were absolutely uh, hemmed in. I mean, they were tight, and I was driving my Toyota through that country, a lot of limbs. I can tell you if I couldn't knock that triple mag off of the top of the truck there, there's no reason I would knock it off anywhere. I mean, I literally knocked so much snow into the back of my truck. I had almost 10 inches of snow on top of the dog box where just the snow and the limbs were where the antenna was hitting it and knocking that snow in there. And I'm not talking twigs, I'm talking heavy limbs too. So the, the Hound Recovery triple mag Stayed where it was supposed to be. Didn't have to adjust it at all. Um, I did have to tighten up the the antenna itself, but the magnets help. So go to Hound Recovery Antennas. They've supported our podcast with prizes and things for our Patreon drawings and highly recommend that product. While I'm talking about Patreon, you can join us and support us for as little as $1 a show. The number one hound podcast in the united states and the world we've got listeners across the globe we're building a, a very great community there in patreon and you can find out how to do that by going to houndsmanxp.com click on the support button it'll take you into our patreon page and you can find out how you can start supporting this podcast for as little as one dollar a show guys this is going to be a good episode it was fun Seth and Lauren have a lot of great points in this thing. And again, New Year's resolutions, every houndsman should keep. Give it a listen, folks. Time to dump the box. All right. So the recording's rolling, just so you both know, and we'll (laughs) decide where we're going to get into this conversation. You know, as as it rolls, you're not along gonna here. try
2: and trick us this time.
1: <laughs> I never try to trick you. I just let it roll, and wherever it's good to pick it up and and move on into the conversation, then that's where I start the podcast.
0: It's a good strategy. It keeps it natural. Yeah. Some people,
1: you know, they, when you say you're recording, they're like, Ugh. <laughs> exactly. We but. used to we used to open every podcast with, "This is a Houndsman XP. Welcome to the Houndsman XP podcast, everybody." Blah blah blah. And you'd be having these great conversations with your guests until you say that. And then all of a sudden, it's like, da-na-na-na-na, you know,
0: <laughs> super
1: yeah, you serious.
2: And the lights are on you. and
1: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right.
0: I was only nervous on mine for about five minutes. And then I kind of calmed down, but man, I was at first. I'll be very honest. For the first five minutes, I was like almost choking up. When you are like, "What? How, what's your name?" I was like, uh,
1: "Sam," you know. Like, yeah, you guys yeah. were both. You guys were both guests on the podcast before you're ever hosts on the podcast, Lauren. Lauren.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, but you we, had, got
2: to, we got we do it face to face.
1: Right. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. That was a lot
2: of
1: fun so I've been I just got back from bear hunting in West Virginia and the I think the bears are very sleepy. We had five I think we had five trucks and uh each truck did a hundred miles a day pretty I'd say Whoa. yeah, looking for tracks for two days so you're talking about a thousand miles of road that that uh, we our group put in and we did some leg work and and uh not a track. No tractors. Holy moly. Yeah, high, up high, it's about eight inches of snow. I was really looking forward to it. I really like uh, hunting on the snow. It's a lot of fun. But it's a second second snowfall they've had and the second cold snap they've had. And and so just one of those deals, man. No, Do like, no boogies. Miles, wow.
2: Do they, like, semi-den up then out there?
1: They're either sleeping. They're sleeping somewhere.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay
1: yeah yeah it's it's pretty high i mean i I'd never looked at the elevation. I'd say it's probably well, I do know you know Texas Mountain is three thousand three thousand feet, so um not super high, but it's high enough that there's definitely a difference in the amount of snowfall in in the low country and up on up on top and we were up up and down those mountains every day,
2: sure. Yeah, I've been coon hunting in the snow, and I really do like hunting in the snow. Um, but, you know, you don't see as many raccoon out, that's for sure.
1: you treeing a you lot of den better, trees?
2: Uh, no. Answer is um, both
1: at the same time.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, I didn't even hear what Chris asked.
1: <laughs> I said, are you treeing a lot of den trees?
2: Yeah, yeah. A lot of den trees, um, and the woods that I was hunting the other night, there had been coon hunters that came in like right in the beginning of the season and shot like 18 or 20 coon out and the farmer didn't know that they were going to be coming because he would give me permission going forward so but I was like okay I'm going to go back to those because that's the woods I shot the black raccoon out of and I'm like I think there's got to be a couple more in here and I knew it would be like a challenge for my dogs so we went back and uh, Piper went 700 yards to a den tree, and I'm looking around, I'm looking around, and I had three other people with me, and Andrea actually spotted the hole. And you, had and- actually- you
1: had Andrea with you?
2: Yeah, and her puppy. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. And uh spotted the hole, and then we got to see the raccoon inside the hole, so I was like, all right, this is a win. This is good. <laughs> um, did my first kind of stopped up and roll under a electric fence. And nobody got injured between the three of us. So, four how, many, of us. how many
1: strands? How many strands on the electricity? Three. Three strands. Yeah, you had, wow. to, get, yeah. Yeah, you had to get low to the
2: ground. A shimmy. We all <laughs> shimmy. Yeah. 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 So,
0: what's the, the snow here? When it snows, we typically don't run for two reasons. Even if it's only about four inches deep, which would be a pretty good snow on the southern plains um but if it's snowing uh two reasons one i definitely do not like running dogs at those speeds when they can't see what's on the ground you know what i mean if there's even a slight discrepancy of like blocking their view of the terrain i'm not going to run them you're just asking for a broken leg and then secondly the hairs just do not run good in snow i mean it gives a tremendous advantage to the dogs And uh, man, rabbits are just way or hares are way too precious of a commodity to be blowing them up in the snow when they can't run their best. So we just wait for it to melt. We usually have to wait like an hour or two and it melts and then (laughs) we start (laughs) hunting. So great. (laughs) last time it snowed, we just sat there for about an hour or two and just drank coffee. And then by the time we were like, all right, let's go. It was like 85 percent melted, which was really nice. And then wet ground is is excellent for everybody. The hares and the dogs run really good on on damp ground.
1: Yeah, it's something you don't think about, about the dogs seeing the ground at that speed. Mm-hmm. And, and okay, so how fast are you saying your dogs are running? So, like, the the only time Pronto's
0: ever worn uh, a, a satellite collar, he's going 44. Oh, my
1: God. So,
0: but, and his he had a 1 minute 38 second mile.
1: Well, did I send so. you guys a picture of, or that article on the fastest dog? The fastest dog in the U S they said that the speed on that dog was only 36. So, um, either, either.
0: Yeah, no way.
1: (laughs) So, so either we're calling BS on Seth or we're calling BS on the article, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. What do you say? (laughs) What do you say, Seth?
0: I I mean, I have been multiple times pedal to the absolute metal on my dog rig and it's going 40 and the dogs are getting away from us. And that's happened like almost every time we run. So I'm going to say unless my this one, what
2: I'm going to trust Seth on this one.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: I mean, racetracks have a lot of statistics on those, those racetrack greyhounds. And Mm -hmm. so their time, their time speeds are going to be mathematically the most accurate. So, I mean, you have a set distance of the track and you have a set completion time of the race. Therefore, you can easily deduce the top speed or at least average speed of that race And so you're never going to get a peak speed unless you have a collar on them. But I mean, like I said, we did have that one time. So, and like I said, we've been, you guys will find out, but I mean, we're, I mean, my pedal is just pressed against the plastic at the base of my floor and those dogs are burning up past us. And my rig isn't the fastest in the world, but I can top, excuse me, I can top out about 40 and uh, they're ahead of us for the first half of the race at least.
1: Yeah. I found that article. It says, um, It was only a hundred yard dash, so I'm sure that uh, your dogs have not reached reached top speed in a hundred yards. So, uh, in a hundred yards, that dog was running thirty two point three miles per hour.
0: Hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. Because they can um, from a standstill to a absolute top out in nine strides, like nine complete revolutions of their stride. But at full speed, Pronto's stride is almost 17 feet, so that's a that's only 10 strides. So he's only going to be barely peeking out by the end of that race. So, yeah, that's a good point. 100
1: yards is nothing. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. The, well, I didn't see how, how far or how far they were running, but then when I look at it, I'm thinking, 100 yards, whoop de doo
0: Yeah, actually, you know? my math is so stupid. 17-foot stride, that's only going to be like... Seven or six and a half of Pronto strides, which, like I said, he wouldn't even be at full capacity, like you just said. Yeah, they're um, yeah, it's pretty cool. You guys are gonna love it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, we got uh, new. You guys got New Year's plans this week? Hunt.
2: Oh yeah, this week. That's Sunday. Wait, is it really? I haven't even looked at the can calendar. No. <laughs> you haven't no, made I've... New
1: Year's Eve plans yet. No. Well, either I, I mean
2: if it's nice, it will probably hunt,
1: yeah, I'll probably uh if it's nice, I'll probably hunt too, so that's pretty much a consensus at the houndsman <laughs> feet camp is yeah uh, I
2: mean, I was trying to hunt tonight when I've got this Christmas thing with my family, and I asked them like, well, how long does this go on, and blah blah blah, and they got kind of angry with me, like can't you just <laughs> can you just you know one day just and I'm just like, but the snow is going to ice up soon. Like, right. ah. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get down into the single digits pretty soon here. So I'm just trying to pack it in.
0: It's yeah, you 63 got, right now here. I was in a T-shirt
1: hunting. It was great. You guys get shut down up there through the winter. Do you ice fish or anything, Lauren?
2: Um, you know, it's really funny. I totally would. Um and I pretty much grew up on a lake because my grandparents lived on a lake and now my parents live on a lake but I've never ice fished. Hmm. Uh so I think I'm going to be trying it this year. Um I didn't think you could
1: be like a real cheesehead if you didn't didn't go to the lake.
2: <laughs> well, we do things on the lake.
1: Yeah, but in on the in the and ice. I visit,
2: and I visit with the ice fishermen. Yeah. I I just, you know, just sitting on a five-gallon bucket or even in a shanty, just I think I would have to have like a lot of food and beer with me (laughs) because I think everybody does, don't they? All fishing, though. (laughs) (laughs) Not like in the summer when you know, in the boat you can get a suntan, you can whatever. Yeah, I don't know.
1: I wouldn't be very good either because I'm not much of a fisherman. You know, Uh, I would need the. I would need like the luxury deluxe shanty with the uh, card table and about 3 bu- 3 or 4 buddies and and playing some cards and and not doing much fishing.
0: Yeah, you're doing some you're you're doing something else mm-hmm. and fishing is just the side. That's what fishing always was for me as a kid. Like when I was in high school, it was just we are drinking and hanging out and partying and also we have some rods in the water. Exactly. You
1: know
0: what I mean? Yeah. So And then, invariably, you forget about your rod, and then you go over there to walk over and see if it's still there, and it's gone. So some fish, like, bit it and just pulled it into the water, and you're like, well, that sucks. And then (laughs) you just go back to the beer pong table. Yeah, I mean,
1: you almost don't even feel like you need a fishing license. The way I fish, I shouldn't even need a fishing license. (laughs) I'm not really there fishing anyway. You know what I mean?
2: You're not, Yeah. You're not going to pull them out of the water and clean them. You're just there to hang out.
0: My grandfather much. was hardcore about fishing. I mean, like, he is to fishing like I am to running hounds. And my dad was forced to do it a lot, so he didn't really like it very much. But we'd go trolling with my dad when we were little, like my dad and my mom and my brother. And we'd all be trolling along in these lakes, and I'd always fall asleep behind my rod. And my dad would like yank on your string and make you think you had a fish. And man, it is so funny to watch people jump awake when they think they have a fish. Yeah.
1: Those
0: are, yeah. Or he'd put a bell on your, on your rod and then he would yank it super hard and make the
1: bell ring and you'd wake up. Oh, I got one. But then you realize you just fell asleep. When I, when I was working, it was always funny. You would see dad out there with the kids fishing and we'd always sit back and we'd watch, you know, if they were down there fishing with their kids, uh, and legitimately trying to help their kids fish, then you don't bother those guys, you know, but as you're sitting back and you're watching and, and dad's out there and he's just like casting and, and casting up underneath and he's fishing and fishing and fishing. as soon as he sees, he saw us, saw that uniform coming, then he hands the rod to the kid. (laughs) Yeah. And he's just standing back there. He's like, Oh, you're doing great, son. It's like, <laughs> how you doing today, sir? Have you got a fishing line? Yeah. How you doing <laughs> today, a... sir? <laughs> I'm not. Fi- I'm not fishing. I'm not fishing. I'm just helping him fish. Yeah, I've been watching <laughs> you for 15 minutes, and he's been. He hadn't even. Look, you haven't even let him touch the rod.
0: <laughs> I want to do an episode where we just listen to good game warden stories seriously, because like, you know, before I was a fully formed adult. I was a nefarious teen and when you live in the like wastelands of Southern New Mexico, there's a lot of nefarious teen activity, but I've always kind of like been on the other side. And I just, you always think you're so clever. That's oh, another yeah. thing to it. So funny. Like every, yeah. you know, I thought I was so clever. I, I was hunting with a black powder shotgun and uh, this saved my skin actually. Cause I was, I already, I thought we were hunting in an area that was kind of sketchy, but I wasn't sure, so I was, like, not really that excited to shoot. But since I don't have a choke on it, I didn't shoot. The birds were too high up. And the game wardens rolled up on us super fast. It was a sheriff and two game wardens. And uh, they were like, we saw all you guys shooting. And they started handing out tickets. And I was like, I didn't shoot. And they're like, I know you did. And I'll, they were like, we heard everyone shooting. And I was like, trust me, if I shot, you would know because there would be, like, a giant white cloud. And then I told them I had a black powder shotgun, and they were like, oh. And then we talked about it for a second, and they're like, oh, I guess you didn't shoot. And I totally escaped a ticket. And I was like, yes. <laughs> so that was the only time that I was clever. Otherwise, yeah. I was stupid.
2: <laughs> I don't have any game warden stories yet, knock on wood. I just have, you know, running from the police in college type thing.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee whiz. We've all, yeah, I think a lot of people have those stories. Yes.
2: Yeah. yeah, Wisconsin. I mean, there's always something to do on the lake that my parents are on. There's my dad makes an ice rink because they're really into hockey and yeah. I'm going to still try and run my dogs. I ran them up till February 15th last year and going to try some coyote hunting. Um, not awesome. going to really use my dog on it. I think that's but, a
1: good call, personally.
2: Yeah. I, after talking to you, I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, especially since the two nights ago when I coon hunted, we don't have a ton of snow. I mean, in some parts, it probably is deeper. But Piper got, like, frostbite and super, like, chafed nipples. They were really, I hate like, indistinct. <laughs> I've never seen that before. That's should, yeah. So I was worried, but like the next day it was fine. But I'm like, yeah, let's not do that again.
0: Hey, I got a question for you, Chris. This is going to be a segue. This is going to be a total segue, but
1: you're going to whip out the big segue. Okay.
0: Here we go. Okay. A friend of mine just recently lost one of his beagles to coyotes here in New Mexico. And I was wondering if, yeah, yes. And I told him that was going to possibly be a problem. Um, do beagle hunters in the east have to worry about that as much? Is is it as common for those little shrieking beagles to bring coyotes in? Because I know a coyote isn't going to be no threat to a large coonhound, but to a beagle, I mean, they definitely can. Does that happen? Do you guys know of that? And and also, listeners, throw us a throw us a, a comment or something. If, yeah. If, you,
1: if that's happened yeah. to you, it's it's more prevalent during once February hits, you know, in the and the rut starts for the coyotes. Mm -hmm. then I've had more encounters during February and through April during their denning season than any time because they get super territorial at that time. And um, it's not to the level of, like, uh, Canadian gray wolf type territory. They're just not tough enough. Um, But, yes, when I have mountain curs, then uh, I've had, had coyotes run my mountain curve back past me you know, I mean like within 10 feet of me and uh, before they Whoa. put the brakes on, put the brakes on and realize that I'm standing there. And, uh, I've had, um, uh, th- my boon dog, the plot that I had for a number of years. Um, uh, he got, he got, uh, ganged up on by a mating pair of coyotes and, um, uh, He got to the point, and it happened to him more than once. It happened to him like three times, I think. By the third time, it was the coyotes. I actually saw the coyote cross the ridge in the field I was in and drop down in there to him. And you heard the scuffle, and the coyote came shooting back out, and he went on. So, Hmm. yep. yeah. Yeah, it happens. It happens, mm-hmm. and and it can happen with the beagle, the beagles as well. And that's what I was going to say about you, coyote hunting your your hounds, Lauren. If you have any aspirations of going west and uh, lion hunting with any of those any of your hounds, chasing coyotes is one thing, but they get s- trashing on a wolf, and then you got a real problem. Mm.
2: Yeah, or even you know, they could. Trash in on a wolf on when they're up bear hunting in wisconsin
1: that's true too i didn't even think about that but yeah that's exactly a good point yep good yeah point.
2: yeah and you know really right now i don't have the capacity to keep as many dogs i need as i need for like both things like coyote hunting and bear hunting and coon hunting so i have to choose my battles sure or choose <clears throat> the hounds i can keep um But yeah, (laughs) talking about coyotes, um, in the town that I used to live in, in the city, there is like this um, creek and kind of parkway that's uh, in the middle of the city, and it's got a bunch of trees, and it's, you know, park, and then the creek, and all that, and people would walk their dogs along there, and coyotes would come and snatch them.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a (laughs) Mm well-known phenomenon. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You'd see people with these little fluffy dogs that have like these vests on that have like pokey things coming out of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like people what? are crazy.
0: I've seen those. I have dogs that have pokey things in their mouths that can deal with a coyote. That's what I do. I <laughs> right. Hope my dog right.
2: can deal with them when the time comes because I'm sure it's going to happen at some point.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, you know, he's hunting heavy riparian like brush country with beagles and i was like you know in the southwest that may not be the best way to hunt rabbits because our rabbits don't really run a big pattern they kind of just go straight into a den or hares they don't even they just run forever but i was like you need to be careful because when a beagle bays that can really attract coyotes and man that sucks yeah that's a real
1: bummer. i've seen it with dogs treed you know when dogs are Mm -hmm. treed and the coyotes fire up and not only me, but I've heard, you know, several people around here that have talked about the same thing, you know, a dog gets treed and that's exactly what happens with uh houndsmen in the West is the dogs get treed and then the wolves are able to zero in on them. And the same Interbell. thing happens. Yep.
2: Yep. yep. Up a... In Wisconsin, that's why like when the dogs treat, like you, you go as fast as you can.
0: Yeah. I'll yeah. tell you that's probably the major reason you can advocate for hunting wolves with hounds is because you're actually helping everybody involved by negatively reinforcing the sound of a hound in a wolf's you mind. Got it. Yeah. So they t- hear that baying and they're booking it. Not coming in to say if they can get an easy meal or drive away another like carnivore from their
1: territory. Yeah, another thing that um like the some of the electronic game callers and stuff have got tree hounds where they're using that to to hunt wolves that's a good idea yeah so more people as we continue to delist the gray wolf you know more people need to use that go out and and uh because wolves will learn real quick that that's not the place to go
0: yeah when we had lions that were too um emboldened to come near people the biologist i was with was like just bark like a hound and i was like really it kind of blew my mind this before i was ever into hound hunting Ever uh, of any kind that make a and good I, YouTube video, dude. It was, I was super scared because they had this lion collared, and our radio trend, our, our telemetry equipment, the radio receiver was telling me that he was getting closer, and we were like in a juniper filled draw in the bottom. And so, the biologist was sitting on the front of the ATV, and I was sitting on the back, and she was like, Hey, he's coming, and I was like, What? And then she's like, He's coming, he's on the way, and I could hear his ping getting closer and his ping was saying he was within 50 yards and I never saw him none of us did right and I was like what and then she's like he's a little too close she's like bark like a hound dog and I thought she was messing with me but I was I'm not gonna lie guys I was pretty scared because that was my first exam like encounter with large carnivores I was young this is when I was very a freshman in college and uh, I was just like she's like bark like a hound dog and I was like what and so I just started barking like a hound dog and, and sure enough he left Hmm. but i was like there you go he, he's because they have that's how they collared him uh, uh they contracted a, a local houndsman to yeah. catch a lot of these uh mountain lions and they they tranquilize them and then put a collar on them gather a ton of information and and let them go and those houndsmen in that area are super duper excited to be parts to those studies because yeah i mean there's yeah. more lions to be had you were, for everybody
1: you were scaring me with that story when you were talking about riding on the back and the other biologists were on the front. I'm glad I-, I was scared. You're going to say you're riding on the back with another dude. <laughs> I was going to be like, no, no. <laughs> no.
0: I've, I've ridden uncomfortably close to fellow male biologists more than I'd like to admit when we were riding <laughs> the, the days of ATVs, but now the days of side-by-sides are here. It's a lot less uncomfortable. If yes. Catch my trip. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs>
2: See, I- Sure that at all i pictured like a jurassic park park kind of moment
0: (laughs) yeah actually um and again honest truth i was wearing a black metallica t-shirt i think and (laughs) and and basketball shorts so (laughs) you're not uh you're pretty far off when you think jurassic park yeah um yeah that was a long time ago i was 18 or 19 at the
1: time so i was a lot different than i am at 30 yeah (laughs) yeah well hey let's get into the topic for this week we've got uh, we got New year's coming up and I'm not a big resolution type guy but but I wanted to talk about some resolutions that I think would that would be good for me to make and share them you know we can talk about them as a group and and uh, it'd be good for good for individuals and it'd be good for our hunting community as a whole what do you guys think
0: I think that's a good idea've been of thinking
1: about it myself
2: yeah definitely yeah what do you got
1: well you know what i i made a list of five and uh i don't know that these are in any particular order Uh, i didn't put them in ascending or descending order either one so just some some random thoughts i thought i was thinking about you know what what can we tell our hound hunting community or what can we talk about that that our audience could could hear and Provoke some thought for themselves. So, you know, the first one I had, first one I had was, we hear it a lot. When I interviewed Casey Stetsman, he talked about humility. We've, um, we've talked to several houndsmen that have been guests that have talked about being humble. Brad, Dr. Brad Henson, when we were talking about uh, leadership and character development, uh, humility was a big one. So, the first one I had was to be humble and be more humble about the way we we portray ourselves and you know one of my one of my pet peeves and I'm getting to this age where I have to be very guarded about it is the older houndsmen that think that because they're older then they have all the answers and I find that more the older I get the less I know and um you know, being older doesn't mean that I'm more wise. It just means that I've run out of dumb things to do. And, uh, you know, I'm running out of dumb things to do. And I, I think there's some value to that and I pick up a lot of cool stuff from younger houndsmen all the time and they figure out ways to do things, maybe some better ways to, than I've done them over the years. So I just think humility is, is a, a very good character quality for a person to have. Nobody wants to sit around and listen to everybody brag about their dogs all the time. Um, you know, it's one thing to be sitting there talking about a great bear hound you had or a great side hound you had or a coon dog or whatever. Those are all great stories, but there's a difference between that and being braggadocious and, and boastful about it uh, in that aspect as well.
2: And mm-hmm. we all know that it- everybody doesn't always have good days so if you're always (laughs) acting like everything's always going great well (laughs) joke on you
1: yeah yeah
0: a good friend of mine once said the higher you get on your dogs the more you're gonna be upset when they humble you because uh every dog has his day (laughs) pretty much but like i mean i've been guilty of this myself you you uh you catch three or four good hairs in a row with your your duo and you're like man my dogs are unstoppable and then when they get out run you're just like what happened you sit there again i was alone but even still i'm like what happened you're sitting there trying to parse it out make up all these excuses and sometimes you just gotta be like look that was a good hair or look they were having an off day or mistakes happen and and when you talk to other people about your pack those four catches in a row you really do need to make sure you're not just like oh man, like they're unstoppable. They're super, like whatever. You know what I
1: mean? I, it, yeah, I'm not saying. You, yeah. Yeah. It's not, you have to sit there and act like a, you know, like a a, winkling, a weakling or a wimp. You know what I mean? Sure, not, sure. Not that kind of humility. Just, uh, I know several houndsmen out there that I've been around over the years who are always leading a good hound. If, if you see them, they're going to be leading it. If they're out hunting, they're going to have a good hound. But they also are the type of people that they let their dogs do their talking for them. They don't have to brag about them. They just let their dogs do their talking. And After you hunt with them for a little bit, then you realize that, to me, that's the the hound defines the houndsman. And Mm -hmm. there's no reason for, for a person to be bragging about their hounds let your hound do your talking for you absolutely
2: I I also like hearing and, and learning and because I'm so new at this you know there's times when I'm just like I don't even know what happened and if I get to hear stuff like that from other people that helps me learn like why my dogs did something or what I should do to correct it you know things like that
1: yeah and and the most accomplished houndsmen understand that. They don't need to make excuses for their dog. They laugh about it. They go on. Uh, mm-hmm. They correct the problem. Uh, they When you start making excuses, that's a lack of humility. You know, I've never seen... We've all heard that line. I've never seen him do that before. Well, mm-hmm. then you, you haven't hunted enough. If you've never seen your <laughs> hound do that, you probably haven't hunted him enough to see him do that yet. So... Um, But, yeah, they don't make excuses. And and if your dog makes a mistake or or something like that, it's just that's part of it. You know, it will happen. Don't worry about it. And uh, I think when we start getting so uptight, then that's a lack of humility as well, you know, Mm -hmm. to realize that it's just part of it. You know, we're out here to have fun and a good time, and and, uh, we all hit those days when – Things don't go the way we want them to go, and and you just, the most accomplished houndsman I know, just roll with it, correct the problem, and and find the next track or, you know, cut them loose the next time.
0: That was exactly what happened to me today,
1: and this is, I mean, exactly what we were trying to
0: talk about today. Nothing went right today. Everything was a a quote-unquote disaster, but, you know what, at the end of the day, me and my buddy, we were shaking hands, and we were just like, you know what, at least we were out having a good time, and our dogs were getting exercise and they got to see a hair, And that's really all you can ask for, you know? And and I guess another thing I'd like to add is that I think it's natural for everyone to kind of slingshot in that the, the like being less than humble about your own dogs because I know myself, I've done that. When my dog was really turning it on and really starting to just smoke him and he was just running at his absolute peak, man, I did go pretty hard in the paint about how good he was. And uh, I just kind of needed to like I was just so excited that that, I don't know if it was in a like a well either way it's just the point is that man it's like you got a megaphone you're so excited and you want to tell everyone and and I really needed to just like simmer down (laughs) and just remember that hey look he's fallible things happen you get outrun it's totally normal I was never mad when I got outrun but man it did sting extra hard when (laughs) I didn't have those expectations when I was just so happy when he caught one I was just like yippee and now i was like expecting almost them to get it and when they didn't i was like
1: what happened and so
0: yeah definitely have definitely have come back more to the center over this last season than i did the season before
1: hounds are more than capable of dishing up a healthy helping of humble pie uh when (laughs) when you really don't want it you know Mm, for sure absolutely for sure my uh oh go ahead no, I was just going to say if you guys haven't got anything else on being humble, I'll move on to the next one. Lauren, you got anything else?
2: No, I think I'm, I'm good. Just I, thinking about being humble with my dogs.
1: Well, the other thing I think um, I'll, I'll, I've got one more thing that I forgot about, you know, and that co- that goes for new houndsmen. I talked about the old houndsman side of it. You know, we have to be humble too. We got to realize where we came from, but the younger houndsmen need to realize. You know, if you let your dog speak for themselves and you put the work in and things like that, you don't need to brag on your dog. And I think a lot of times people, uh, uh, new beginner houndsmen want to fit in, so they, they go overboard with their stories about their hounds and things like that. And a lot of times they think they get things figured out before they really do. So there is some value to listening to the old timers. You know, I I bear hunt with a guy in, in West Virginia and just watching him in the woods. um, He goes, he's, he's been to more bear trees in the last two years or seen more bears or and ran more bears in the last two years than I have in my whole life. And um, just watching him in the woods, the way he reacts to situations, you can look at him and know that he's been there. He's done that. And you watch and you listen to what that guy has to say. He You know, without a doubt, he's the guy that you're going to look to. To If he says you don't want to do that or you, you want to listen to that. And I think it's important that all of us never give up on that, whether you're, you know, 13 years old or you're 52 years old like I am. You know, you, there, if you stop learning, then that's your fault. That's your fault. Great. Totally agree. So, um, the next one is um, I'm going to make a commitment for 2021 to keep no more hounds than I can provide quality care for. Why do hounds? I mean, think we get that's we a big, fall. On, yeah, go ahead, Lauren. You you t- you go with this one.
2: Well, I kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, where I'm like, you know, I I know I'm not at the capacity where I can have you know, a bunch of coon hound, coon dogs, bear dogs, and coyote dogs. Um, and, and we see it a lot where these dogs, not mine, um, are laid up, you know, all the year. Maybe they get coon hunted twice or whatever it is, or someone's got 16 dogs, but only takes four out, whatever it is. Um, I think it's a big thing to be able to be there for your dogs, you know, good food, uh, medical care, you know, all the shots that they need and everything, um, being able to check them over, you know, once in a while and exercise them, get them mental stimulation and not just pen them up for a year. Um, it, you know, there's plenty of people out there that have a bunch of dogs and ha- take great care of them and, then there's others that don't. And if if you know you can't care for that many dogs or they're not going to get what they need, you know, exercise, medical, all that stuff, what's the point in keeping them and trying to feed them?
1: Agreed. Right? Yeah. Seth? I agree. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, I've seen both equations. I've seen both sides of this exact, I mean, talking point, but myself personally, I told my wife when I got into hunting with dogs that I would never keep more than I can keep in a kennel row <laughs> in my, in my utility room, because uh, to me, part of the joy I find with hunting with dogs is the relationships you build with the individuals. And if you have too many, I just don't get to build those bonds. And and I think it's really enjoyable when I go out to the prairie And I can just open my door to my truck and just let them out to go to the bathroom. You do their business and then get in the rig all on their own. I don't have to leash them. I don't have to worry about them. And that comes from me just spending time with them. And Mm -hmm. like Lauren was saying, getting them out, getting a mental stimulation and training them, working with them. And I know, I know people that have dozens and dozens of dogs uh, of all kinds of, of hunting styles. And, um, the nice, the only nice thing is is that if you get an injury, you can, you can lay that dog up and have someone to replace him. But at the same time, like Lauren was saying too, you know, you're dividing up that, that hunting time between those hounds. So I'd rather have quality over quantity. I always, always have. And so I like to stagger my dogs in age about four years apart so that at no point I'll end up with more than eight hounds. And, uh, yeah, I just think that, um, especially medically, that's the hard part, right? I mean, That's the conundrum of getting more dogs is, um, man, those vet bills can just stack up on you. And when you get enough dogs, you're just like, there's no way that each one of these is going to get the care that if I only had two or three. But look, if you really want a superstar, you you just got to put in the money. And that's a tough pill to swallow sometimes.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I know people, for one thing, this is America, and I'm not trying to tell anybody how many dogs that they should keep. That's not, that's not the point that I'm going to make at all. Everybody's got to set their own standards. Um, mm-hmm. I know some people who feel like that, um, you know, only brand name vet care, you know, for vaccinations and worming and, and stuff like that, if that's their standard, then they need to li- live within that standard. You know, because they can they can become costly quick. Um, if if you're using some other alternative methods to cut down on costs, as long as you can uh, provide that care that that hound needs, then that should be your standard. So you know, medically comes down to not what you can afford, but what the dog needs. You know, and and if it gets to the point where you've got a, a yard full of mud and dogs living in refrigerator boxes tied out on four foot chains because you can't afford enough chain, then I, for me personally, I'm, I'm not keeping that many dogs. So um, that's where I'm at on it. And and nutritionally, you know, I, I watch, I've I've seen it for years, I've heard it for years, you know, what do I feed my dog? And you get in, it's the classic dog food post what what does everybody feed their dog and you get everything from the high quality expensive dog food and then you'll get that comment that you know i feed my dog alpo it's cheap and i can feed all my dogs alpo and you know one guy <laughs> one, one guy said one guy said one guy says i feed i feed believe it or not i feed alpo it's cheap and the dogs, the dogs do really well on it. And another, you know, they have, it seems like they have plenty of energy. And another guy says, you know, energy doesn't have anything to do with food. It has to do with breeding. And I'm like, what, What? (laughs) why are we, if they can, if they can metabolize their own, own energy, why are we feeding them at all? you know let me if
0: um, if nutrition doesn't matter let's ask nfl athletes if they're eating mcdonald's every day no dissing mcdonald's i love myself some mcdonald's but i'm also not a top tier athlete you know what i mean yeah like yeah 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 i mean the thing the thing is i know people that actually feed pretty low quality kibble but also supplement their diet with whole meat and whole animal ground so like that's what we're talking about and my goodness, people, there's something that you can know. is by, If you have a local rendering plant nearby, they sell tons of meal that you can just find, like ground-up animal remains. And you can add that to your dog food for pretty good protein. I mean, it's not the... Um, it's a questionable freshness, but dogs don't really care about questionable freshness. It's all cooked. And that's what's the most important to me. Yeah. But,
1: yeah, um, yeah.
0: anyway, uh, I, I like to... Uh, Oh, go ahead, Chris. I, uh, it was, I was just going to
1: say I was just going to say my own rule of thumb is if I if I've got to start bargain shopping for dog food because I've got too many hounds or because to, then then I've got too many hounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and,
2: and you can't keep all in good housing and you can't keep up with cleaning up after them and getting fresh straw in their houses. Like if you 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 can't keep up with it and you're not ready for that commitment and things start to deteriorate, you got a problem.
1: Man, it can it can get on you so quick too, you know, that one more puppy and then boom, you're overwhelmed. You know what I mean? It just seems like it, it, it can happen. I've been there. I've been there and I've been like, I've got too many dogs. I need, need to get rid of, you know, need to find some new homes for, for some of these dogs because I've just, I've got too many. So yeah, at one like-
2: point that was, that was me with just one other dog besides Piper and you know, now I've got more and we'll see how things go.
1: Well, you're a banker though, so bankrupt.
0: <laughs> I, I feel like I was headed towards that road quickly, but meeting sage advice has saved me from that doom. Because my problem was this this type this type of dog runs really well, but also so does this. Let me grab a couple of those and then man, wouldn't a fusion of these two be incredible? Maybe oh yeah grab one or two of those and then i was like wait a minute wait a minute my one of my good friends was like hey stop let them get older be more sage about your decision and give it time and i was like okay and i live by that code now but man that saved me from having
1: six dogs in a hurry i'll tell you what if i had if i had uh, if i had my dream come true you know i would have beagles i would have bear dogs. I'd have coyote hounds. I'd have, I'd have a Krillin bear dog or a Finnish spits and, you know, Airedales and, and all these cool, cool dogs. I'd have them, you know, I'd love to have them, but, um uh, man, I just couldn't afford it, you know, yeah. and I couldn't do right. And the main thing is not only financially, I couldn't do right by the hound. And I think that is so important that we've got to keep that in focus that. Yeah.
2: I couldn't, I couldn't have my full time job. My dogs would end up having to be my job that I don't get paid for. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. So yep. have no money and no place to live and you <laughs> know <laughs> be living out of the camp with ten dogs.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the free spirit cub and ten dogs. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you can get a you can get a dog's artreed tie out and there you know, go. get ten dogs attachments for it. There you go. Yeah.
2: So my problem is, like, if I'm in a bear hunt alone, you know, you need enough dogs to do that. And, um, you know, if something happens to one dog, if you've got a small pack, then you're kind of screwed. So, you know, I've always been in the back of mind, okay, I need to add more dogs. I need to add more dogs. And I'm just trying to figure out where where that cutoff is for me. And I I think I'm about there.
0: Yeah, that's that's what friends are for. That's what I've learned, really. Yeah. Like Other people have different styles and different dogs. And, you know, some days, like right now, my pack is incomplete. My female hit a submerged car hood out in the middle of the desert. It's like, it makes you just rub your forehead and be like, uh, like, anyway. Yeah, they, they were, I track backtrack the race on the upswing of her gait at full speed. The right side of her inner tarsus hit a car hood that was sticking up out of the ground. And so I'm out now, unless I run with other people. So that's really made me a lot more social and outgoing in a way. Now I'm running with all these other people and I am getting to experience other styles. Other, other people have dogs in their prime. Other people need help. And so, um, man, I've just been, uh, going around to everybody and and doing a little bit of coursing. And I'll be honest, even though the hair population is super low and the surviving hairs that are around right now are all like Arnold schwarzeneggers hares they're like super powerful <laughs> monsters um we're having a great time because I'm getting to meet these people or you know re rekindle some some I got a hunt with someone like one time and this year I've been out with you know three or four times already with them and it's a ton of fun to just reconnect and and build those yeah. relationships in the community and so yeah. um I've been getting smoked a little bit more this season but you know what those hairs need to go on and reproduce anyway
1: so I just tip my hat and say go mage it's your and, year your Jure- your yes, exactly. year okay number 2 i'll keep i'll keep no more hounds than i can give top quality care for two number 3 this one's going to be I, number 3 i will treat my fellow houndsman with respect who wants to tackle that one
0: i can start that only because like one thing that surprised me as a houndsman, just getting started, I wouldn't even call myself a houndsman as a guy who has dogs and who is learning, it blew me away. How much drama was in the community? Like I didn't even understand how adults could be so catty, not hateful. That's not and just not... coarse stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. But like, it just blew me away. I was like, we all love this thing, right? We all love dogs and we're all fully formed adults like how are how come there's this all this drama and so i just told myself and the luckily the person i course with the most is like super anti-drama too and so like i just told myself i will only interact with people in a positive light even if this like network of people doesn't like each other and so i'll just interact with everyone in a super positive light and i just say right up front i do not do drama and i refuse to partake in it and it usually keeps everyone super level and cool and uh I just um, have made it a point in my life interpersonally to always keep positive forward and like just avoid any kind of smack talking and drama. And it's really served me well. And, um, I have, um, yeah, I just think that the community, we are such a small, small minority that we really of the like entire outdoor community, we really do need to be better with each other so that we can be a united front in defending our lifestyle. That's how I've always felt from day one. I just thought that was like completely obvious, but apparently like it does need some more. I I feel like there just needs to be some healing in some aspects of the community, not all. And of course, there's a lot of people that are friends and sweet, but like, I I just mean, like I was surprised that it was so cliquish and I don't think we
1: should be at all. I think that's just kind of a natural progression really. I mean, um, a new guy coming into this i mean we got people that are wanting to come into our community and they want to be a part of this fraternity of houndsmen and so they have these big expectations and then they get into it and all of a sudden it's like you know this is kind of ugly and they make decisions whether they're going to be a part of it or they're not going to be a part of it and same thing happens in in, in job spaces and things like that you know a, a perp you go into my experience with law enforcement, you know, the, the natural progression is you get the fired up rookie, you get the guy that's got a few years on and he starts to fit in and then he gets to be cynical and then he realizes that none of that's any good and he just starts trying to help other people. And the same thing happens with houndsmen or any, any job. But, we're talking about houndsmen here, I think it's just pretty natural. But I mean, consider the fact that that you've got all these young people or newcomers that are wanting to be a part of our community. And then and we need them. We definitely need them. But then we want to get ugly about it. And we don't recognize the truck so we pull off and we ask them who they are and what they're doing and why they're hunting in our spot in the middle of a national forest you mm-hmm. know <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know and i'm like oh, it's not it, it's just as much theirs as it is yours um, you know i remember calvin calvin redhouse and this is what when we interviewed calvin and this is what amazed me about him he hunts almost exclusively on the navajo nation Calvin is a Navajo. That is Navajo property, but anybody can go there if they get if when they get a tag if they're properly licensed and hunt. And Calvin's attitude is, "No, I don't get upset." He goes, "You might beat beat me there the first day, but you're not going to beat me there two days in a row." Mm-hmm. You know, that's and a, I, that's and a I, good way to put it. And he absolutely has claim to that property more than I do. And so when I hear a guy like that describe it's not my fault that i'm there it's his fault because he decided to sleep another 10 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever it was i'll go i'll go somewhere else i just thought that was of all the interviews and all the people we've talked to that is one of the the comments in 80 some episodes we've done that have stuck out to me you know for calvin to say that that made a big impression on me Mm, it's a good saying Mm -hmm. and you know In the public
0: land sphere, I just think, when we there's so uh, man, it's just it's uh, it's great to talk to people with entirely different life experiences, and that's one thing I've really enjoyed about this show because, in the West here, well, New Mexico and the public land that we have, there's so much that when I see another hound truck, my eyes light up like I can't wait to talk to them. And I was just gassing up my dog rig, at a at a very small town, and uh, the. Uh, a truck rolled up next to me the hound box in it and and a guy gets out he's like oh sweet box and we just start talking and uh man we were just so excited but at the same time you know i've had people come up to me about like hunting on public land and be like you can't hunt here you know like this is where we go and i'm like look dude yeah (laughs) you know so (laughs) it can get weird but that uh, that is a good saying i'm i was sitting there thinking about um I, i was sitting there thinking about what calvin said i was that's a great saying, man. Yeah. <laughs> yep.
1: great. That. It's a great attitude. You know, he's he's treating his other houndsmen with respect when really he doesn't have to. I mean, he yeah. really doesn't. He doesn't have True. to. Yeah. So. Good guy, though.
2: <laughs> you know, with me being so fresh into this, but at the same time, you know, I have the ability to mentor other people and help other people get into it, despite the experiences that I've had not necessarily treated with respect all the time, you know, running into dramatic situations, things like that. I'm, I'm just trying to, to flip things, stay positive and do what I can to keep people wanting to come into the sport, take people along, you know, reach out to people on Facebook or respond and engage with people and, answer any questions, things like that, because I want to, I want to turn any bad experiences that I've had into momentum.
1: How do you do that? Explain that. How do you do that?
2: Um, kind of just brush it off and be like, you know what, maybe that happened for the best and I'm just going to get over it and it's going to make me a better person and I'm just going to try harder or, you know, get out there earlier or whatever it is. Um, I'm not sure, like how I do it. If I've like mentally made any steps, and like, okay, step but you, one.
1: You've been thinking about it though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've really been thinking um, about it a lot. I think, yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, no, that's
1: cool. That's no. I <laughs> wanted to make sure that we weren't listening to like some, you know, uh, what do they call those? Things? TEDx. Is it? If you guys oh, ever watched TEDx? No, I, yeah, that t- t- sounds Ted like talks. something. TED, Ted talk. TED talk. Yeah. Ted talk. yeah. I'm going to turn negative energy into positive momentum.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It just like get confidence in yourself. Um, That's something that I'm working on. And like, for me, it's like a lot of guts to do things that maybe I wouldn't have done myself before, Mm -hmm. like solo, not just done before, but like done by myself. Um, Like that's kind of a, a big one um, and just yeah I, I don't know what else to say about it but i don't think i've completely brushed everything off that's happened cuz i still think about it from time to time um, but i'm just like you know i'm i'm just going to try and never be like that
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. well i think i i think the thing that we forget and it's easy for us to forget and Maybe it's just from my professional life uh, through my adulthood in law enforcement. You know, people watch, and um, they see when we're not treating each other with respect. And if if you've got newcomers that come into that, then they're not going to want to be here. Mm-hmm. They're they're simply not. Not everybody wants the drama. You know, they, they, we've just got to be, we've just got to treat each other with respect. It's, it's just, it's just the right thing to do. Uh, there aren't enough of us that we can have splinter cells and, and different groups. At the end of the day, we've got to put aside some of the petty differences that we have and come together around a common cause or we can watch it all go away. We can watch it summarily reduced to sharing stories about the good old days. Mm -hmm. Um, And there isn't a lion in the world or a bear track or a uh, coon hunting spot in the world worth uh, destroying a relationship and creating an enemy over it to the point where we're all individuals and we lose our lifestyle. It's just not worth it.
0: Totally agree. And this needs to go definitely onto the like virtual sphere as well. This needs to be online. We need to treat each other with respect online as well, where I think is where most of the negativity is, to be honest. I rarely see houndsmen and women being ugly to each other's face, but I see a lot of it behind a keyboard. Yeah. And so, which is a
1: good segue to our next, next topic. If the next, the next uh, resolution. I will represent. That, I will represent the houndsman community well. You know, I think that we talked about respect, and now let's. I'm going to make a commitment to respect them well, and you know, in the field is the first part where I've got to do that. And I, I talked, I touched on it just a second ago. People are watching. And when they see that truck roll down the road and they see a dog box, a lot of times uh, the general public doesn't look at that and say, oh, there goes Chris Powell. I know that guy. They know nothing about me. The only thing they know is their past experiences that they've had with guys with pickup trucks and dog boxes in the back. And if it was a bad experience, then then if I'm going to go out and misrepresent my community, then I'm hurting all my fellow houndsmen. And that's tr- not treating them with respect for sure. You know, it's, mm. like, it's like when we used to teach hunter ed. Uh, people don't see the man under the orange hat, you know, the guy carrying the shotgun. They never see the guy under the orange hat. They just see the orange hat going through there. And whether it's a good or bad experience, if it's bad, then they're going to think, oh, there's a hunter that's bad. Or mm. there's a hunter that was good. And I I told a story on on uh, a recent podcast you know about the f- epic failure with uh, a local while I was out bear hunting and it was me I did it it was stupid um, you guys might the podcast isn't out yet so you probably haven't heard it but uh, I'll be real brief on it but it was it was highly energetic and we're catching dogs off a busy road and and a lot of stuff going on and people were honking at us and and it was a dangerous situation so my emotions were running pretty high trying to grab dogs and get them in the box and get them off this road and some, did you flip some the bird huh no, huh
2: did you flip the bird to a person
1: in the car <laughs> no no oh,
2: okay
1: I, it, it wasn't it was just the typical chris powell response some some woman stops on the side pulls up and she goes hey, can I talk to you for a minute? Um, There's something that I need to talk to you about. And I was putting a dog in the box, and the dog was trying to get out and looked at her, and I said, what? And it was the way I said it right then. And she was like, well, if you're going to be nasty about it, then I'm not going to talk to you at all. And I just thought, you just failed. You just failed that that situation right Mm -hmm. there, you know? the way I represented the other bear hunters up and down that road that were doing the same thing of, of all the people to pull up and talk to, she chose me and I failed. Mm -hmm. Were you able to recover the situation? I'm not going to ruin it. It'll be in the podcast. (laughs) Well, it really wasn't. I didn't, I didn't really expand on it. It is kind of covered in, in the podcast, but in the, in last week's episode, but you know, I've I've had time to reflect on it since then and I apologize to her and, but, she still wasn't satisfied with that. She was she was trying to find a reason to gripe about bear hunters in that area, uh, but at the same time, the the guy, another guy that I was hunting with, she pulled up down there and he smoothed it all over, you know. So, or at least recovered from my fumble.
2: Mm. I feel like you reacted the same way, though, that, like, some mom would have reacted if she's, like, trying to get kids <laughs> in a stroller and they're, like, hey, got one toddler running around, another baby screaming, and someone's like, hey, can you? And the mom just turns around like, what? Yeah. <laughs> of,
1: of all the times you want to talk to me about the way I parked in this parking space, now is probably not the best time. You know what yeah. I mean?
0: <laughs> you know, a similar thing happened to me recently. I was deer hunting, and uh, I, I was hunting on um a bunch of BLM and monument land that's right next to a bunch of like really, really ritzy housing divisions. And so I parked my truck on a a public road that butts up to this BLM and I was getting out of my truck and I had my rifle and everything and I was getting ready to head out. And right when I was about to cross the fence and go into the public land, this lady stops me, she's on her patio and this is a big, beautiful home. So I was like, Oh goodness. And so she like stopped me and was like, Hey, are you going to park there? And I, and again, I almost did it, but I I was, I pulled myself back. I almost bowed up and got all stickle back right there because like I don't like when I get challenged over public land. But anyway, I was like, yes, ma'am. And she's like, oh, cool. No, I was just making sure. She was like, there's people that can be really rude to hunters down this road, and I just want to make sure. She's like, you can park in my parking lot if you want, in my driveway if you want. She's like, I'm just glad people are out there enjoying public land and, and hunting. She's like, the deer come to my yard every night at like 6 p.m. And I was like wow, that is not at all what I thought it was going to happen. And, right. yeah. and, and I was just like blown away, like how my my instinct was to just get all like, oh, this is going to be some old woman telling me I can't hunt out here. And those deer are her babies and Bambi and stuff. And I was all getting ready to, for a, to have this negative experience. And I was just blown away with how amazingly generous she was. And she was just like, yeah, the deer come. She's like, there's a decent buck with them. And I was like, wow, like, man, that right. was an awesome moment for right. me in my life right there.
1: The the main thing that this woman wanted to talk about was us not driving fast by her house because she had an older dog in her yard, and that's what she wanted to talk to us about. And I told her, I said, ma'am, I understand. I said, that's exactly why I reacted with you. People were not slowing down. People were honking their horns and, and <laughs> not wanting to slow down when we're out here. Obviously, I understand exactly what you're saying. And um, But still still, I, we have to be on point to, uh, w- we talk about recruiting new houndsmen all the time and bringing more people into our community. Really? We just don't need the ones that aren't engaged not to vote against us, you know, not cause problems mm-hmm. out there where they they, we leave a bad impression of who we are and what we're doing. Absolutely. You know, yeah, it,
2: I, I'm, I enjoy traveling with my dogs and having them in the dog box. And if people want to ask me questions and talk to me about it, I revel in that. Like, I enjoy teaching them, like, no, they're happy in there. And then, you know, all about what I do and show like show people how well I treat my dogs. And just give them a good impression.
1: Yep, for sure. For sure. All right. We talked about it just a second ago, but how can we represent our lifestyle on social media in a better way, in a better way?
0: I think focusing on dogs and our relationship with them is the most important thing we can possibly do. And look, I've been guilty of this myself. So I'm not, I am not perfect by any means and no one ever has been, but we really do need to be intelligent about how we post pictures of teeth on game because, you know, a hair, a dog killing a hair or videos. videos. Well, definitely videos. I mean, but I mean, I've always, always since the very beginning tried to um, put my best foot forward in, in like my writing and, and, and pictures and explaining my pictures. Um, That's actually how you met me, Chris, but like, I've also been guilty of like showing a picture of the dogs, like, two dogs on one end of a hair and then another dog on the other end and you know obviously that's not going to end so uh respectfully in 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 our image so um i think the first thing we can do is we need to be way more mindful about um pictures of teeth on game i think you know you're as a houndsman community we're really excited to show those pictures it's like look like i succeeded like this is the the zenith of photos i can show that i succeeded like there's this animal here my hound's here, me holding my dogs. this is it. I succeeded, and I've been listening to a lot of guys talking about how you know there's no problem with that because that's but this is a hound hunting community, and I'm like, look, a lot of people can get in here that aren't hound hunters and they're intentionally trying to find these photos they're, aside from that, I think um, I think you can you can um
1: it can be easily misinterpreted, and there's yeah, no, yeah. there's no context in a photo like that. You know, they're just—it's—it's it's a tough sell. You're, yeah,
2: even if the animal's been dead five minutes, and you still have dogs wooling whatever animal it is.
1: And it—it ta- it literally takes five minutes to set up a high-quality photo that's palatable to the non-hunting public not the anti-hunting public we've got to be clear about that there's two different you know the anti-hunting public we're never going to appease them and we're not talking about appeasing those people we're just talking talking about not turning off the non-hunting public the people who don't do what we do but we need them in our corner and we need their support because they they make up 87 percent of the population in the united states so Mm. we need them we need them. We just need to do things that aren't going to make us look bad on that end. And we're never going to win the battle of appeasement with the anti-hunting crowd. So that's not what I'm talking about. And I don't think it's weakness to say I'm going to represent my my lifestyle better by um, you know upping my game and taking five more minutes and setting up a good quality photo or something like that. I, I, that's just going to help.
0: I totally agree. And I, and I I do I do see some of that where it's like oh you know like screw the anti's and I'm like look we're not exactly what you just said. No one here is thinking that this is going to be about anti like converting anti hunters. It's not going to happen. That takes years and that's a very long-term investment in an individual and that's just not going to happen. I I couldn't agree more. I think it's like it's like the people like my uncle and my aunt that have neither negative or positive feelings about hound hunting and all it took was that first introduction through you know, my pictures and just talking about it. And they're like, this is awesome. And that is where we have to win.
1: Yeah, I've got an aunt and uncle the same way. You know, it sounds just like yours, but they, they like my photos. They support what I'm doing. But your aunt and uncle, my aunt and uncle, there's about 277 more million more people like that out there in the United States mm-hmm. that we need to not turn against us. And it's hard to do it with, <laughs> Um, you know, graphic photos, and and this is kind of a, a crude way. Well, it it's it's a very effective way I've found to explain this to people. You know, I I enjoy posting pictures of my kids on Facebook. You know, I have done it. My wife does it, but we didn't take the video camera into the bedroom and show you how it happened. You know what I mean? Right, right,
0: right. Yeah, that's a good,
1: yeah. So a good metaphor, yeah. <laughs> so you've got, we all know how it happened. I didn't, have, that's not accepted. And we just have to make a, a, a conscious decision that the only person that that is, that's just there to stroke my own ego when, when I don't take that time or I'm not conscious about taking some time to represent my hound hunting in a, in an effective way. So
2: I think I think the, the 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 videos and the pictures and and making sure you set it up well is good too but think about all the the written communication that we have on Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff too and that kind of goes back to just treating others with respect and just showing yeah showing us our Lifestyle in a positive light, we don't always have to talk about, oh, well, you should just call that dog. Like, out of nowhere. And, like, oh, you know, that dog's not worth anything or it yeah. has no good being and stuff like that. Just, I don't know. I just see so much verbal stuff online that I'm like, uh, just makes you sound crude and idiotic and just robs me the wrong way
1: yeah. It
0: also and, goes back to our third resolution that we just covered how about treating each other with some more respect and our dogs <laughs> yeah. you know yeah so
1: well even even the way we address each other i mean you hit on a minute ago seth everybody becomes a keyboard warrior we don't talk to each other in the in in the field like that and i know somebody will say my god i talk to people like that well you probably hunt alone a lot too so <laughs> um you know, it's just it's just one of those things that if somebody is scrolling through, looking at, at posts and different things and they see this back and forth, I mean, I you see stuff that is like pre junior high type stuff. It's like you should have learned that you can't can't argue like this when you're in preschool, you know, come on.
2: It's, it's like throwing rocks. Yeah.
1: Mm. Yeah like Ernest T. Bass. You know, he gets mad and starts throwing rocks through windows. Come on. <laughs> you have no context, do you?
2: I have no idea what you're talking about.
1: This is for the older people out there. <laughs> Ernest T. Bass, baby. You'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs>
2: all these young folks. Yeah, all the all you young
1: whippersnappers. That's what's wrong with America. You never grew up watching Andy Griffith.
2: Um uh, you know, another thing about representing houndsmen in the community, well, aside in social media, we talked about in the field, is we need to respect the land and the landowners and and things like that. And I think that comes a long way or goes a long way. Um, uh, like. I told one of the landowners I have permission on, I'm like, yeah, I found a bunch of Mountain Dew and some beer cans and stuff like that, and I picked it up and we brought it out. Or, like, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, we found a bunch of dead raccoon, and we didn't know why they were dead. I'm like, yeah, I I got them out of there. I pulled them out anyway because I don't want anything else getting sick. Stuff like that.
1: Yeah. Here's a way that you can be be a good steward of the land but also bring a positive light to that the hunting community the hound hunting community so keep some trash bags in your truck and you're hunting on somebody's place and you find some trash there pick it up well stop by their house on your way out and say hey have you got a trash can i can put this in uh, i pick this up down at your gate down the road down there i don't want it blowing out of the back of my truck going down the road and trash blowing somewhere else do you mind if i throw it in your trash can okay that's deliberate i'm not saying we have to be you know uh uh totally human we gotta we gotta have some gamesmanship here okay i'm not saying stop three miles down the road and pick up some trash and then use that that didn't come off their property but if you have the opportunity that's a good way to let a landowner know that you're, you've are you got the best interest of their property in mind. They're You're there as a guest, and now you're like, hey, do uh, you mind if I throw this in your trash can? I just pick this up at your gate down there.
2: Um, another thing that I do is every spring I talk to them, and I ask, I'll probably ask about twice a year, um, do you guys have anything you want me to do to help on the land? Do you want some brush cleared? Do you want me to help move some logs? Do you need xYc done yep, and I, and I do i'll offer it and, and i usually get met with no but thanks anyway you know we're good but it, offer like manual labor help <laughs> too definitely
0: that's what i always ask I mean, you guys need help moving cattle you guys need help branding that kind of stuff and then also and another really big one too is um a lot of people are, are um really um apt to have someone out there just like uh, scouting around. So if I'm out on the line, I'll be like, "Hey, I'll let you know if I see water tanks messed up or fences damaged. You know, if I see a, a sick cow, you know, something like that. Like I'll let you know. And and they really appreciate that a lot. When you're know, mm-hmm. like, "Hey, I found a water gap that's busted and a herd could get through here. I drop a pin on on X and I send it to them. And they're like, "Oh, wow, thank you. Um, that's really served me well. And also, I always offer to make them a jackrabbit skin hat, but I still have no one to say
1: yes to that <laughs> yet. <laughs> Wow.
2: Well, you can come hunt on the land that I own, which is about a sixteenth of an acre. Uh, <laughs> so, and um, I'll take your jackrabbit hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. The, one
0: of our really sweet families that lets us drive out there and hunt, they have um, uh, one of the pastures we hunt on is about 12 miles wide. So there's a lot of land to patrol out there. And so they really appreciate the the, the amount of land we're out there cruising around, watching
1: and looking and. just
0: paying attention in general you know right
1: right there's so many things i mean provokes i think this topic could provoke some thought you know uh about how we can represent our our community better um as a whole on social media and i that's going to be one of my commitments for 2021 is to represent our community better for sure so let's uh Number five, this is a top five, so we'll... and I will invest in something bigger than myself in 2021. And what I'm thinking on that one is there's so many opportunities for us to get involved. It's easy for me to get uh, introspective and look at, you know the performance of my dogs and my hunt and and how I'm going to enjoy myself and and think about me a lot you know it's easy to do that but for 2021 then I'm going to start looking at what I can do for the hound hunting community get involved with uh, state organizations or a hound organization nonprofits you know, like freedom hunters, or I just think that's important. So I'm going to invest in something bigger than myself in 2021.
0: Definitely agree. One thing I also want to put in there is, um, you know, they can be organizations too that may not have a direct link to hound hunting, but also like, I mean, you mentioned this, but like, like for instance, um, in the West, uh, a big organization that protects public lands, backcountry hunters and anglers, and uh, they're pretty, at least the New Mexico chapter has a lot of pro hound hunting views and, and uh, they're just to protect it for everybody. And that's something I want to get more invested in. Um, I've always have supported their mission and I think protecting our public lands is, is right up there on the top of my top three most important things that uh, I think is for sportsmen. So, um, and also um, I want to always just, yeah, it's, it's something that it's, it's a, it's more of a esoteric thought, I guess, but I, I want to make sure that, whatever i'm doing is always for the greater good of hound hunting and and i think defending public land is one of those ways that if you take a forefront and leadership in that position that will gain us tons of positive views too because you know seth is a a a board member or a, a a leader in backcountry hunters and anglers new mexico chapter and also he is a houndsman hey maybe we should like give these guys a little bit more at the table and also check out what they're doing more in a, in a positive way. You know what I mean? Like, Hey man, this guy's dogs are the craziest looking chupacabras ever, but man, they're cool. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. So. He, knows,
2: he knows what he's doing with them and he treats them right. And
1: yeah, he's I respectful.
2: We yeah, never, we need
1: representation in those circles. You know, organizations like that, like backcountry hunters and anglers, They're carrying a. They're swinging a pretty big stick these days. They've they've done their homework. They've got political ties, um, but our hound hunt. They need representation from the hound hunting community, so that if we're not sitting at the table, then we're not going to be included in some of those policies and decision makers. And I've watched this happen for thirty years. You know where i just want to hunt i just want to i just want to enjoy my hounds and then when there's a time of crisis the game's already been played it's already been it's the decision's already been made because we didn't have representation at the table so we get cut off from access to property or uh rules making processes or expansions of other seasons uh you know and Whereas if you just make the investments now, when there's not a crisis at hand, you can have, you can make friends, you can build those relationships. And if you do that, I can tell you, just like we interviewed Gene, Gene Hopkins with the Indiana Sportsman's Roundtable, Gene calls me when there's an issue that comes up. That's a great thing to have. You know, when people are actually, you know, the the people who are the influencers, if for one thing we need to be influencers, but when you have a network of people out there that are all working for the common good and you're included in that, that's how you you be successful in in playing this game. Cuz it is a game, pol- political game and things like that when it comes to rules making processes and honey. Mhm.
2: Yeah, and and get to know the members of those associations, get to those banquets, talk to those people, um, you know, because those, you know, you could be the person going to help with the legislation, whatever, but to have that relationship with the person that's most likely going to be doing that um, is good too. And and get money invested. And I think it is investing money by donating to, you know whether it's you know Wisconsin the WBHA the WCHA um things like that I know for me like my goal in 2021 is to be on the conservation congress with the DNR um I'm also going to be hopefully joining the board of the WCHA
1: which is to kind
2: of help with that the Wisconsin Coon Hunters Association
1: yep okay yeah um
2: <clears throat> so like, well, if you get that more than just going hunting right. and doing it for yourself,
1: if you get that position, Lauren, then bring this idea to the board. If you become a director for the WCHA, bring this idea to them. Contact like the local or the state chapter or local chapter, whatever it is of of the Wild Turkey Federation or Ducks Unlimited, and sponsor a print for their banquet. It doesn't cost much. I'm talking about, you know, find a $70 print that, that's not going to break the bank for your organization to, to uh, sponsor and let them raffle it off. I guarantee if you call them and say, hey, the way, we hear your banquet's coming up and we would like to sponsor a print for your banquet. You're going to be met with like, really? Yeah, that'd be great. Awesome. You know, now yeah. you've got your foot in the door to build that relationship and then go to their banquet, you know, go to the banquet. So my challenge to all this hound organizations out there, whether it's a Rocky Mountain Oak foundation or, uh, the wild sheep foundation or S- Safari club international, whatever that organization is, if you know about, uh, uh, uh I would challenge the leadership to take 50 to a hundred bucks and sponsor a print or an item for their banquet and I guarantee you'll get reciprocation on that well beyond the the $100 value that you're going to invest. We've done it. Definitely. It's awesome. It's awesome. Great. That is a great idea. Thank you, man. That's a great idea.
2: Yeah. I mean, who really likes raccoons? They eat those eggs.
1: Right, right, <laughs> right. It's more about, it's, it's just a, it goes back to that representation part. We've been misrepresented and we've allowed the narrative to be controlled by people who don't actually know what's going on out there. And so even by other hunting groups, you know, uh, deer hunting groups or whatever, we've allowed them to make their own decisions because we haven't gotten involved with them. They've never been able to put a face with that houndsman that they think is messing up their deer honey. You know what I mean? Right? It's, it's mm-hmm. easy for them to sit back and pass judgment because they can't put a face with it. It's just ha- those guys, those those houndsmen. Well, now if we if we become involved, then it becomes Chris oh, Powell. Lauren. Oh, yeah. that's Lauren. Oh, that's Seth. Oh, I know well, I know Chris, or I know Seth, or I know Lauren. And they're not like that, so now we put a face with it and a name with it instead of just those guys, mm-hmm.
0: and a good name
2: Perfect. and a good face. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> that makes me laugh. You're like those raccoons eat those eggs. <laughs> that's
1: right. That's right.
2: <laughs> that's All what right. I think about.
1: That's my list, guys. That's the uh, that's the 2021 Houndsman XP resolution list for uh for for my hound hunting contributions for 2021 right there so be humble like be humble keep no more hounds than i can effectively care for treat my fellow houndsmen with re, uh, respect represent the community well and invest in something bigger than myself i think that'll be a that'll be a tall order for to fulfill for uh for me, for 2021, that'll be enough.
2: Yeah. But if everyone can keep, you know, even one of those in the back of their mind, um, I think, you know, it's a step forward.
1: Yep. Final I, thoughts, I, Seth? I, um,
0: I think uh touching in and all that, that's, that's a good thing. I wanted to uh, add that, you know, like you said, it's a tall order and let these be, resolutions that you internalize as core values. And and it, t- it will take time. You know what? These are habits and core values that are going to have to take possibly months or years to internalize, but don't give up. That's what I would say. Most resolutions, people just kind of get back into their own habits, old habits. Take some time, be self-reflective, internalize them. They're, they're, uh, they're good lessons. Nobody's perfect. We've all made dumb mistakes. I have been that guy who rolled up on a spot solid dude there on public land. We're both deer hunting and I go beep, 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 you know? And then I just got to remember, hey, he's got every right to be here like I do. And I should have been here earlier. And uh, I just roll on. So I think, uh, like I said, keep keep these, uh, keep these your resolutions and know that it's going to take the long term. That's my final yeah, thought. Yeah, good
2: point about it, rolling them into your core values. So. And not just, okay, make this resolution and move on.
0: I uh, I do have a final right. thing I want to touch on, but I'm going to wait until we're completely done with this train of thought.
1: Lauren, you got any final thoughts? Well, a final you can't do that. A final thought is a final thought. We can't have a final oh. thought and then another final thought.
0: It's a final <laughs> thought in a. But it's not related to resolutions. It's not related to resolutions. But I'm crazy excited and I want to tell you guys about it, and okay. I want to tell everyone about it.
2: I mean, I don't I don't think I have any final res or like thoughts on 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 the resolutions. I've I spoke my mind there and I'm just excited to see what I can do in 2021 and how things are going to change.
1: Great. That's good. That's real good. Well, I don't have any final thoughts on it either. I think uh, we covered, covered it pretty well. And, and uh, my final thought is why does Seth get two final thoughts?
2: (laughs) Well, now now we're both on the edge of our seat. Exactly. Okay. Let's hear it.
0: Okay. uh, Chris, I know you're, um, in the I don't know if you still are but in the past you've been a flintlock hunter yourself and uh, I harvested a really nice old buck with my flintlock uh last week mm-hmm. and I'm still really excited about it and uh, one of my that's resolutions
2: about
0: <laughs> right right one of my resolutions that has nothing to do with hound hunting but my my newest resolution is get even closer that's my new my resolution that you know as I've Again, this is a long-term one, guys. But flintlock, I don't like shooting anything more than 80 yards. And I have a nasty habit of when you think you're close enough and you're like, well, maybe I should throw a ball. Maybe I should just steady myself. And this is as close as I'm going to get. It's time now. Let's go for it. And this year, I did not do that. I had him bedded down at 80 yards. And I was like, you know what? It's Everything's good here. But no, I'm going to try to get closer. And I ended up getting another, uh, bad at math, but I ended up taking the shot at 58 yards and it was a perfect lung shot and I was super psyched. So I was crazy proud of myself. And I had to say that mantra in my head, get closer, get closer, get closer. And you're so scared. You're so nervous to move, break cover and try to move over that gravelly ground. But I'm super glad I did. And it turned out really awesome. Um, so I'm still living on cloud nine from that. That was that was amazing. That was so fun.
1: The only Matt, th- I, you yeah. lost you lost me when you started talking about throwing balls. <laughs> I thought you were gonna talk about
2: I, I loading firewood. A or- ball, actually.
1: Oh, did you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I was a in, sixty
0: caliber I was inv- rifle, so it's basically is a tennis ball.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was envisioning loading two heavy chunks of firewood, you know. <laughs>
0: So uh, yeah. anyway, it was sweet, you guys, and uh, I'm not gonna regale the <laughs> entire story, but oh yeah, I've already so I, I made a huge amount of tacos for uh, uh, my my mother-in-law, my family, my wife, even though she's vegetarian, I still pretend I make some for her. And I made some some fake Boca meat for her, but anyway, <laughs> but um, yeah, I just made a ton of meat, and it was my uh, my mother-in-law's first time having old ruddy buck but it was still great it's super good and uh yeah guys it was it was awesome i I was gonna tan the hide and try to make a a, like a um like a wall hanging out of it but the uh pack out demanded that we um, remove his legs so i was unable to save the cape um i could have but it was just too much weight it was way too far and so i was like you know what next year next year so, but anyway, it was fun. Chris, I gotta ask you, what was the first thing you got with a flintlock, and and, and what and uh, what range was it?
1: Uh, it was a wild turkey. Oh, yeah, awesome. Yep, it's uh, a wild turkey. It was a uh, uh, sixty two caliber smooth smooth bore it was a Fowler piece, traditional Fowler piece. So, nice. twenty eight. It was or uh, no, it was twenty gauge. Twenty gauge, true twenty. So awesome! Yeah, yeah. To do that one day. Yep. Well, guys, hey, I appreciate your input, and uh, Lauren, you want to close it out?
2: No, I don't. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Seth, I'm <blanking> it. <laughs> Seth, you do it. All right. Well, we're all following our hounds, and I think when we head out into the woods we need to make sure that we keep our best foot forward and think about these important lessons that we need to internalize as houndsmen so when you meet up with your friend out and out on the prairie talk about these things and then you follow your hounds and I'll follow mine
2: perfect